Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 5, Episode 38 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. Where do I fit in this? What can I do to be part of trying to encourage some some forward movement? How can I contribute to a future that is worth moving towards for acting and actor training and what that is? And my thoughts and my interest in in act, which had started from a kind of broader interest in, in contemporary psychology and where that fitted within what we do as as actors and in drama schools came to fruition and that became the the thing that I felt that I could develop and focus on that would allow me to make a small but hopefully meaningful contribution within these big questions. We're back and it feels good. It's 2024 and what a guest we have to start the year. Let me introduce you to Dr. Ben Askew. He's an acting teacher, lecturer, writer, and director. He's the originator of the Act for Acting project and is one of the UK's leading exponents of theatre analysis and the Laban-Malmgren system of movement psychology. In this episode, you'll hear all about Ben, how he got into acting, when he first discovered ACT, and how he realised its potential, not only for actor well-being, but also for character development. I love this conversation, and I think you might too. This is the first of three episodes with Ben. In the second episode, we'll focus on the use of act in his work. And in the third, we have a spontaneous chat about Macbeth, particularly Lady Macbeth, and we look at her behaviour and relationship with her husband through the act lens. And I'm so excited to share that one with you. Now, for those of you who are new to People Soup, we're an award-winning podcast where we share evidence-based behavioural science in a way that's practical, accessible and fun. Our mission is to unlock workplace potential with expert perspectives from contextual behavioural science. Let's just scoot over to the news desk. If you'd like to find out more about the ACT in the Workplace Train the Trainer programme, I developed with Paul Flaxman in partnership with Contextual Consulting. You'll find the link in the show notes. It's coming up soon, in April and May this year. I've trained hundreds of adults using this approach, and also hundreds of trainers too. And thanks to Joe Oliver at Contextual Consulting, there's a discount code for the course. And this code gives you 20% off my Act in the Workplace Train the Trainer program. And that code is PSOUP20. You'll find the details in the show notes. Also, I've been invited to speak by the Association for Business Psychology on the 6th of February. The title of my presentation is How Behavioural Science Can Support the Cultivation of Authentic Leadership. You'll find the link in the show notes, and if you're a member of the ABP, it's free. Now, it feels like quite a fruitful year, because there are other collaborations in the pipeline. But for now, get a brew on and have a listen to part one of my chat with the wonderful Ben Askew. Dr. Ben Askew, welcome to People Soup. Thank you very much. Hello. Hi. Now, Ben, you'll be familiar. I've got a research department and they've done a bit of digging on you. Right. I just wanted to read out what they've come up with. Okay. They're not always 100% accurate, so just keep your ears peeled. Okay. All right. So it says here, Dr. Ben Askew is an acting teacher, writer and director. 
He is the originator of the Act for Acting project and is one of the UK's leading exponents of theatre analysis and the Laban Malmgren system of movement psychology. Mm-hmm. For listeners, that just took me about four attempts to say <laughs> Laban Malmgren. It's a tricky one. Yeah. We'll no doubt find a bit more about that in a moment. Sure. He led the teaching of theatre analysis at Drama Centre London for over six years and continues to work at some of the UK's top drama schools, recently directing a number of rehearsal projects for the Manchester School of Theatre and delivering specialist act matrix training for staff and students at the Oxford School of Drama. He also works as a freelance acting coach and runs regular classes and workshops through the Working Action Group. Trained as an actor, his professional experience includes work in the West End and for companies including Shakespeare's Globe and the Manchester Royal Exchange, along with roles for television and radio. His dramatic writing has been produced at various venues around the UK and his academic research has been published in peer-reviewed journals, most recently an article on acting and mentalisation published in Stanislavski Studies. He received his doctorate from Central St. Martins in 2017 for a thesis exploring psychophysical approaches to verse and heightened text and he continues to conduct research in this area. Ben is a certified ACT Matrix facilitator and a registered mental health first aider. He lives with his family in beautiful Yorkshire. How's that, Ben? How are we doing? Well, no, that that all sounds pretty true. I mean, it also reminds me that, for the sake of your research department, that I that I probably need to update some of my some of my information a little bit. No, it's interesting because there's just some things that sound very recent in that bio that feel a little further further back now. Um, but no, this is this is all true. I deny deny nothing wonderful and they did pick up that you're now a lecturer in acting at the leeds conservatoire this is true yes this is my new role i've just started in the last um few weeks um working at the leeds conservatoire the drama school there which is a fantastic place to be yeah and i think i know where it is i think i've walked past it when i was doing some work with northern ballet would that be right it is very close yeah so there's the there's the Leeds Playhouse as it now is it's all just been redeveloped from what was previously the West Yorkshire Playhouse and the, the the Leeds Conservatoire buildings are all there and it's exciting it's new in the sense that there's been the Leeds College of Music that's been there for a for a long time and has been very you know it's very well established and um, they've recently reconfigured this as the Leeds Conservatoire and brought in um, the drama school elements the actor training there so it's a yeah it's a really really exciting place to be getting involved with and being a part of. Super. And there's, there's one more thing, Ben, that the research department have uncovered. And they've heard that you've recently developed an obsession with Disney films, perhaps through your daughter, and there are plans afoot for some act-related content or output arising from that. They're, yeah, they're very hot in their research in your, your department, clearly. You know, this is true. I have a five-year-old, uh, five-year-old daughter, and... Yes, but watching Disney films with with her, uh, or, or you know, using her as the excuse to watch uh, watch Disney films on a, on occasion might be the the case because I hadn't I hadn't really watched any of them since I was a kid, and obviously there's there's all the new films that have come out more recently that I'd never seen, and some of them are re- some of them are absolutely brilliant, really fantastic, and um, it kind of shifts me in my gears from uh, from a lot of my my time and attention and my work is around. You know, Shakespeare and um, wonderful kind of classical European drama and things, and actually coming to some of the Disney films, apart from just enjoy you know enjoying them and spending quality time with my daughter, is realizing how much there is in them that's fascinating from 
dramatic point of view, human point of view, but also because my um, interest and my knowledge of ACT was developing also through lockdown and, and when we were, we were there. And so doing things like finding some time to watch a Disney film and getting to know the, those, sort of the, the, this happened whilst we were all locked in. Uh, and so I was get, kind of bringing this newly emerging, for me, ACT perspective on things. And it was just naturally happening that I was looking at these characters, looking at Elsa in Frozen, um, looking at what's going on in, in Encanto and these, these movies, and just going, oh, goodness, that you can really see these processes that I'm learning about and being fascinated by in terms of psychological flexibility and particularly its opposite, the, the, you know, the inflexible processes and how people are getting stuck. And I think some of these Disney films do a, do an incredibly sophisticated job, actually, of embodying that, of showing us how that works in a way that um, is really accessible and exciting. So, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm all for sitting around watching Disney films and imagining an act matrix in my mind as I, as I do so. Yeah, it's a hobby. Yeah. And, and P-Supers, me and Ben have been chatting about this, and it's, it's not a fully formed idea yet, but there could be a couple of, or maybe even more, but some episodes exploring this further, taking one of those Disney films and looking at it from an act perspective. So, slight spoiler there, but watch this space, folks. We're in, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're in early conversations on that, but it's a good excuse for me to watch more Disney films. Which is enough of a reason, I think. Let me bring it back. I've, I've had a go at introducing parts of you and your role, but I wonder if you could just expand on that for us. Just talk a bit more about what's got you to where you are now in your career and maybe some of the pivotal moments along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, I trained as an actor. I went to a school called Drama Centre in London. So I suppose two things there that were already pretty pivotal for me, one of which was making that decision in the first place to go to well to audition and then and then to get to fortunately get a place at, at drama school and follow that route in terms of what I was go, what I was thinking I would do with my life uh, and also the decision to go to that school in particular because that had a big influence on me and my thinking about theatre and um, as you mentioned in your intro from your research elves that um, I went back and taught at that school, and that and and it therefore played a big part in shaping me in my te- in the teaching that I do. So th- so those were in themselves just going there and making that choice was a, a pivotal moment, I guess. Um, and then I worked as an actor primarily for a number of, for a number of years, and was very fortunate then to in, to get out there and work because it's notoriously not the easiest um, profession to. To make, to make workable for you, for, for someone. But uh, so I, I left drama school and I went out and I worked mainly in the theatre as an actor, doing some Shakespeare, doing so doing plays different parts of the country and in London and elsewhere, uh, and also doing some writing. That was the, the, the other sort of string to my bow of developing myself as a playwright. So I was there doing that and you know, enjoying that and getting a lot out of it. But it, it, the, I suppose the next big pivotal moment, in a sense, was having been a few years into my career, started to have this sense that there was something that wasn't quite um, working for me. There was, there, was, there was bits of something that, that I wasn't quite touching on in the work that I was that I was doing. And I remember I went for a 
big long walk on the beach with my with my partner and we had a big um sort of chat about it and i think there were a couple of things that were coming up for me at that point one of which i think was to do with the practicalities of life and the the lifestyle of the work that i was doing you know i was going here there and everywhere in digs different different places as is the the life of a of a freelance actor working in the theater and had sort of got to a got to a a point maybe in life of going is that way of organizing how i'm living working for all areas of my life you know of of how i want to live and my relationships and and things and i think the other side of it was i'd sort of got to a point where whilst i was really enjoying a lot of the work that i was doing where i felt there were parts of myself that weren't quite being um challenged and engaged in a, in a way that i that i wanted them to be and also where i i think i got to a point where i was reflecting on my own work as an actor mainly and and finding myself in a rehearsal room or on stage going i sort of feel like i'm in the wrong role here not in terms of I should be playing that part instead of the part that I'm playing but in terms of going I know that it's about theatre and this thing that we that we're doing but I sort of feel like someone else could come in and do this acting bit that I'm doing and there's something else around what is happening here where I think I would be adding more value you know where there's more of the stuff that I bring to this whole business of of theatre and acting that is that I'm not quite I'm not in the right place to quite give what I what I think I can I can give. So that led to then then, then walking back along the beach to the strange decision, uh, perhaps, that I thought alongside doing the work that I'm doing, I'm going to do a PhD and exercise sort of a part of of my mind and my engagement with theatre and what what it is that interests me and what I think is important about it in a different way. So that that uh, fate, fateful walk on the beach was a <laughs> was a, a pivotal moment. So I then started. I was still working in the theatre, but I started studying for a, a PhD, which you mentioned in your intro was all about verse and poetry in the theatre. And alongside that, I started to teach, as many people do, as they're as they're doing that research work and so I started teaching back at the school where I trained at drama center and that opened up this avenue of my of my practice that has become a central part of it part of what I want to bring to theater and to acting is what I can maybe offer through the training of people through opening people up to certain ideas and certain ways of working in a way that I feel can be you know important and and hopefully make a difference to them and to this art form in some small but significant way so then I was doing that and then I think if we're looking at the next big milestone there came along this period where a few pretty big things happened in pretty quick succession one of which was I finished a period was I finished the PhD which then you go oh oh what do I do now? What do I do now? Right, that's that's that's. What am I going to do with this? Or, or or am I doing something with it? Am I doing something else? What's going on? Um, but bigger than than that really was. First of all, I became a father um, for the fir- for the first time, so that changes a lot of stuff. And then not too long after that, we had this thing called COVID that came along, 
and I've, you know, as as everyone was sort of working out what that meant for life and what life looked like and how things were going to be. And alongside all of that, this school drama centre where I was, where I trained and had, had sort of made my base for my teaching practice was facing the fact that it was going to close, which is a whole Shakespearean plot in itself in, ter- in terms of the, the various factors that were feeding into to that. And part of that broader picture of drama schools with COVID going on, with everything that was happening, with the, the big discussions happening in society and the world about, about everything, about who we are as a society, about how we take care of people, about how we become inclusive and how equality and equity are built into what we do. And in amongst all of that, drama schools, I think, found themselves in crisis. In lots of ways, so Drama Centre particularly had a had its own crisis, but uh, lots of questions were being asked and lots of pressures being being put on drama schools in in lots of different ways. Firstly, I think big questions about are drama schools, you know, inclusive? Are they taking care of people? Are they fit for purpose for the twenty first century in terms of the attitudes to? what theatre is, the attitudes to the way you train actors, how you take care of people whilst you're training them to do something that, is, that can be very physically and emotionally and psychologically challenging and demanding. And also some very pragmatic things in terms of big financial pressures on drama schools, but a lot of expectation that things need to be cut down and changed and made to fit different models. And I think... There was a sense through that period, and I think, and it's ongoing. I think, but but particularly at that time when it when it seemed like there was this storm of things all happening at the same time, of questions being asked of what is actor training in the twenty first century? Does it have a place? Is it important? Are drama schools, as they've been conceived, in any way fit for what we do now? And so with that combination of kind of personal circumstances for me and these these kind of big conversations that seem to be going on of thinking where do I fit in this what can I do to be part of trying to encourage some some forward movement how can I contribute to a future that is worth moving towards for acting and actor training and what that is and my thoughts and my interest in in act which had started from a kind of broader interest in in contemporary psychology and where that fitted within what we do as as actors and in drama schools came to fruition and that became the the thing that I felt that I could develop and focus on that would allow me to make a small but hopefully meaningful contribution within these big questions about how the the sector moves forward wow Ben, thank you so much for setting out part of that journey. And I'm interested to delve into a, a couple of points. So what was it about ACT when you discovered it that really captured your attention? Well, it was interesting. So my interest in psychology and acting is kind of long, is very long-standing, partly because it's probably what attracted me to acting as an as an actor, this idea of getting inside and into the inner workings in a sense of of characters and what's going on with them and also an interest in the process of acting and what we're engaging 
in psychologically with it, you know, in our in ourselves to do this strange thing of standing up and pretending to be someone else and and that being of interest to other people for some reason. And you know, what is going on there? What is all that about? And the methods and approaches that I'd been trained in and was teaching had a big psychological component to the to them. The, particularly the you referenced the the Lab and Malmgren system, which was a big part of the the training I had at Drama Center. We tend to call it character analysis, which is a much easier thing to say than the Lab and Malmgren system. Um, Heck yeah, so, yeah. So so we stuck with that, which has a a lot of concepts and ideas within it taken from Jungian psychology and Jung's ideas of psychological types, and that was always fascinating for me. And then it became part of my own teaching practice. But I had this sense within that and within things like the Stanislavski system, which is the the more mainstream approach. It's kind of the, the big sort of reference point for most approaches to acting that we that we have that that's there somehow related to that system. And again, it's about understanding the psychology of character and what people want and why they do what they do. But whether it's Jung or whether it's the ideas in Stanislavski of, of kind of noticing a lot of these ideas, they're great, they're fascinating, but they're based in ideas about human beings and psychology and how we work that are from quite a long time ago and that sometimes become problematic i think in terms terms of the, some of the, the their assumptions about human beings and also just maybe feel feel a bit out of step with where we are in the 21st century and how we think about ourselves and how we think about people so so this there's a long route round to to an answer to your question i guess so I'd had this, so I so I got this big kind of open interest, I suppose, in what models were out there, what new ways, newer ways of thinking about these things were there, and how they could be useful to us. And ACT appeared on the horizon, and there were a few things that immediately leapt out about. It. For one thing, ACT for acting just works a hell of a lot better than you know CBT for acting, as in ACT for acting <laughs> is just a lot catchier. Um, so, so you know, there was a, there, there's probably there was a little bit of a of instant appeal there of going, oh, I hope ACT's interesting because it's a good name for a model to go with acting. But there were a couple of things that, that I remember when I was first hearing about it that popped out, one of which was about values and how they, the, the way that they work as these kind of compass points, these directions of travel. And, and that immediately had this kind of dual interest for me first of all in terms of our values our artistic values as actors as theater makers and and the usefulness of that way of articulating what we're about that is there within acts and values but also it made me think about okay how can we identify values as they relate to character to helping us to understand character because the usual thing within the stanislavski model and the, the various approaches attached to it is essentially more about goals right it's about we think it talks about as objectives right what do i what do i want and this sort of idea of a super objective this ultimate want at the heart of this character which can be hugely useful but but can also be and when i think you when you look at it from an an act perspective kind of rigid and actually there's a lot of the within characters that is all about characters being kind of rigid and and stuck with something but something appealed to me about the idea of, of of the flexibility of values of going what what is there for these people that is around just rather than just one goal what is it that that 
They're about what is it that they want their lives to be about and how can we understand that and how does that help us maybe to understand characters in a more nuanced and empathic way. So that was one bit. Was Values was one of the first things and I just kind of started making a few little connections for myself. And the other was just the whole concept of psychological flexibility, which, you know, is a, is a good place to start. And and the Russ Harris way of glossing that particularly of, the, of this, the ability to open up, be present and do what matters. And immediately just went, well, that's exactly what we're asking actors to do. That's what we when, when we people are studying to be actors, when people are standing up in a rehearsal room. That's what they're being asked to do is to open up, be present and do what matters. And wow, if there's a whole system here that is about supporting people in being able to do that in ways that are kind of constructive and nurturing and supportive supportive of those people because I think you know lots of things in life are very challenging but there's the, the acting has a lot of demands that it makes of you in terms of what you're exposing yourself to in terms of being in front of an audience how you're revealing things about yourself through your work the levels of criticism that you're potentially opening yourself up to in a public um, setting and one of the big parts of these conversations about drama schools um, that I think is is really important was about, on the one hand, it's really important to challenge people and move people out of their comfort, zo- comfort zones. And on the other hand, is that being done in a way that is that is safe and that is responsible in terms of the way people are being pushed and challenged in their acting work, how they're ex- being expected to sort of take their imaginations or take themselves to places that are challenging how they're being expected to stand up in front of people and get criticized and even with that very first description of what psychological flexibility is and this idea that there that there are skills that can be cultivated to support people in becoming more psychologically flexible just immediately made me think okay there's something worth looking at here. It built from there, really. Gosh. And we'll, we'll come on to talk a bit more about Act for Acting in, mm-hmm. in part two, but hats off to you for bringing it to a whole new workplace. Well, it, it's, it just seemed... It was one of those little moments that, that you have sometimes where you go... It seems so. It just it just seemed so obvious when you see. I suppose of go, going, just happening to see what is there in the act model and how much it seemed to fit with what is being asked of people in this in this space. And going, okay, maybe it's just that I happen to be sitting, you know, sitting in the right place, looking in the right direction at the right time to go. It seems so clear to me that these things go to get go together. And I think the other thing that that that's kind of cemented it from well, a couple of things, as you say, we'll we'll come on to to the hopefully exciting, interesting things about acting and and act as we go forward. But the other thing for me, I think, in that so in that scenario I was describing of um, COVID's going on with wherever we're all that uncertainty, feeling like I wasn't quite sure what my next moves what were, feeling like the the place that I thought was my kind of base for whatever I was going to develop in terms of how I taught and those kind of things that 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 was going to be where I was doing that that's being ta- being you know the feeling of that being taken up taken away 
and sitting there going, what can I do? What can I do? And I think being introduced to the idea of psychological flexibility is what encouraged me to do anything, to do something. In the sense of I think I was there going, okay, I've got all these big grand ideas about, you know, if someone would just give me x million pounds and my you know in a building and and the space to it i could do you know we could do something incredible right we could we could we could try and do something better than what's been done okay well that's all very well ben but 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 you know that's that's not immediately on the cards and also you you know you need to cure covid in the meantime if you want to be able to do anything with your millions of pounds and feeling very stuck of what to do and in the end going okay well what i could do is I could set up a Gmail account. I could be very brave and set up a Twitter account, as it was at the at the time, because that wasn't a, a thing that I that I did. And I could put out a tweet that goes, "I'm interested in looking at this thing. Would so, would so, are there some actors that would like to jump on Zoom with me whilst we're all in lockdown and have a look at this?" And and that's what we did, and that's how I started that process. And it was precisely to do with this whole concept of psychological flexibility and workability right of going okay i'm feeling very stuck with the, this stuff i've got all these kind of like big goals and ambitions and that's fine but what can i do that that is workable for me in this moment that moves me towards what i think is important that allows me to take a little step towards i think it's really important that we that we try and move this forward that we try and open up a, sp- a space where people can explore themselves as people and as artists and as actors in a way that it that is that is um moving things forward and and opening it up for people and actually there was something that i could do there was something that i could do which was just that of set up an email account set up a you know make a little offer and 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 put a zoom session in the calendar and you go okay see that that's that's the point right that psychological flexibility in action a little bit Lovely. And it's those small steps exactly. that, that, that can lead to somewhere where we don't know, but we're moving towards our our values. So, Ben, I'm curious. You know the pivotal moment of the beach walk. Mm-hmm. At that point, had you discovered ACT? I hadn't. No, this was quite a while before ACT kind of entered my consciousness at all. What's interesting, and in the spirit of full disclosure, is that, that that walk along the beach with my partner, my partner is a clinical psychologist, which kind of informs the narrative somewhat. So we'd had discussions over over a long time about acting and psychology, and particularly, you know, chats about how I would, you know, how I would think about characters and how that compared to, to the way that she would um, formulate the things with clients and this kind of thing. And so I got an interest and, an idea, and a lot of ideas from those conversations with her and from things that she directed me to, to to look at and read about a few different things. But ACT wasn't wasn't in the mix at that point. And again, it was one of those things. And, and it's a way that COVID, when it turned up a few years after that, informed this whole story, is that my partner had been doing tra- her own training in in act adding to to her you know her her skills and the, the models that she was using and of course because of covid all of her training moved online right so one of the ways that covid again sort of contributed to this was part of how i started to find out properly about act 
was that um, she was doing lots of act training sessions online and I would start to just appear over her, sh- over her shoulder and sort of listen, it, listen in <laughs> to, these, um, to these things and then chat with her about it and ask questions. And so it was, it was, only, it was only at that time and it was just one of those, again, of the, the, the kind of different things just aligning because I'd been consciously thinking about different models and how they related to acting and kind of looking at this, that and the other and seeing connections here and there. And then it just happened um, that she was particularly looking at act and chatting to me about act whilst I was engaging in, in that sort of search and as we were just talking about, there were just a couple of things about it that really clicked. And I went, OK, I'm going to have a proper look at this. And from there, I was kind of hooked on that in a in a in a good way, hopefully in a useful way. And because it seemed to speak to so much about what I felt I was looking for and for what it felt was needed mm. in what we were doing. It's so interesting hearing about let's call it the beach, because that's the mm. that's what it will be called when they make a film of your yeah, your yeah, life absolutely. and your work and that scene it just really resonates with me because I was interviewed about my work acting the workplace mm-hmm. by my podcast producer Emma and I was telling her how I made this big decision to leave the civil service after 23 years because mm-hmm. I had an itch that I'd been scratching thinking there's something else for me to do and I left and went to study at City Uni which is where I discovered ACT. So I mm-hmm. made a move towards what's important for me in terms of supporting people in organisations and being of service before I discovered ACT. But I think looking back, it makes me think, oh, yeah, mm. that was pretty aligned with what matters to me. And it just, it just resonated with me that you, you weren't as immersed in ACT in that scene on the beach. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think, as you say, you could kind of look... Looking back on it, it's a while since I've thought particularly about the beach walk because it feels like that was a while ago now. But it was, as you say, say a moment that's then resonated through it through and had lots of influence in a, in a sense on what's happened, what's happened in the years since. But yeah, absolutely, looking back, I think you could see, you know, you could put what was going on for me and what was being talked about in that conversation map it out on the matrix or or you know name the different hexaflex processes that are go that are going on and you could see that maybe it was about some of my values that felt like they were being neglected slightly by by what was going on in my life at that time or that that I wasn't quite finding the ways of balancing them or finding a new commit set of committed actions that that felt like they could they could keep on working for what was important to me and again, it certainly wasn't that everything that came back from that little walk with everything sorted. But again, a bit like with, uh, say, during the, the COVID times situation, oh, I think it's just finding that next step that goes, OK, that is something that I can can do. And let's see where that goes rather than necessarily having the whole the whole thing sorted, which yeah. is probably a thing for me even still still now is that that sort of, you know, that desire or that expectation that have, that of needing to have the whole thing solved to know what the next step towards the sort of mm-hmm. this massive big picture idea is so that's been a big thing for me with act on a personal le- level is that process of going that's great having your you know these great big ideas but what can you do what can you do now mm. and what can you do even if you don't know exactly what the end point is going to be or whether there even is an end point 
what's important and what can you do now to step towards it lovely and being a curious type ben i just want to ask a couple well one's a question one's more of a reflection but my mm -hmm. question is is taking you way back right to ben to ben at school mm -hmm. and thinking when did you first think oh this is a this is the direction i want to take my studies in my my career ah, in okay actually <laughs> Of pivotal moments, I could give. We could do another pivotal moment on that one, which I don't know. It's I, I my memory of it is very clear, but I'm not sure how much it's a sort of fabrication after the after the fact. Certainly in terms of how pivotal it was, because I think from as far back as I can rem remember, stories and storytelling and writing and those th those things were always things that I was very excited about, and. I was quite. I, I still am. I th think relatively quiet as a per, as a as a person. So performing and things weren't immediately my my go to thing. But as but as I got a little older, and particularly when I when I was in my t in my teens, I I got into a a local drama group, and so that interest had developed. But anyway, I think getting to that this the, when you get to those sort of moments of decision about what am I going to do, you know, when you get to I went to a sixth form college and you're doing all of that process and what's the next step? And I think as a lot of people do, it felt like there was a big fork in the road there because I was always relatively academic in ter terms of I, w I was quite good with, the, with that stuff and had a lot of interest in some academic subjects. And, I, and so there was, a, there was a big side of me and a lot of expectation on me of me, I think, to go and do something very academic. So there was one plan was that I think I was going to go and do philosophy and then there was this other side that was going but oh you know maybe acting and theatre and, and people there's some people are being very encouraging about that and, and that they think that I could do something with that that interest that and that passion that I have and feeling that like very much at this sort of this sort of fork in the road and not being sure and having as again, I think a lot of people that are considering acting and drama school have some discussions with parents and things about about you know their views of what they thought was a, was a better was a better choice and all of that. And strangely, the moment that I really re remember, as I was going, as I was having all these debates with myself, was in an A level philosophy class, and we were doing we were doing Nietzsche. And Nietzsche has a lot to answer for, right? But, um, <laughs> and I remember, you know, we, we in this little porter cabin type classroom that we had at this, uh, this sixth form college and these battered old copies of Beyond Good and Evil by Nietzsche. And I remember looking at this, this page and the, the, Nietzsche has this concept of the free, spi free spirit. And whenever it was in the book, book it was always italicized. You know, with the, you see that there's a free spirit in italics. And I remember looking at this page and looking at this thing and what what came up for me was this idea that, that what I was passionate about, about philosophy and why I wanted to study that and why I was thinking maybe I could sort of contribute to it and be kind of an academic in that in that area and write about and do stuff around there. But what I'd sort of made sense of in my attempts to make any sense of, of Nietzsche at that point in my life and what I was seeing in that page was this idea that the real deal of all of that the real deal of philosophy the real deal of sort of asking what is life about 
is to answer it through art is to kind of go that's the test you're running away if you go and hide yourself in academia the kind of the, the, the sort of real thing to do is to try and ask these questions through a kind of embodied art form which is which i which i always go back and it sounds maybe just sounds absolutely uh ridiculous as a as a process but that's the thing that brought the two things together i think for me and it is a pivotal moment because the two things are still very much together for me and that's a big part of my practice and everything that i that i have wanted to do with it is to go that then they're not two different paths for me what acting and theater is about is really it's an attempt at a at an embodied experienced interpretation of what it means to be a human being and what life is and what it's all about and different perspectives on that and how we cope with what life is but rather than just talking about it and theorizing about it that you try and put yourself in it and make sense of it through your body and your emotions and through through this this thing that i like to say and that i think again is is a sort of semi-stolen from nietzsche probably of that we that we take these big ideas about life and what it means to be human and we try to make them dance a little bit and that and that for me in a way is the whole point of this art form of acting and theater is that we is that we take these things that are very difficult to get hold of and you make them stand up in front of you and do a little dance and you feel them and experience them in a different way um and so i had this bit this big this big revelation and felt very excited um as i went and got my you know pasta cheese and cheese and beans from the canteen at lunch <laughs> of this idea that 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 was the answer that it wasn't a, that it, in a sense it wasn't a choice between the two it was about trying to commit to the idea that they were one and the same but that meant i had to do the th- the thing that was what felt certainly from the circumstances i was in at the time like the, the much riskier more challenging thing which was to to get myself able to train in the practicalities and to pursue that and to to do that side of it and to actually stand up there and do it rather than just hiding in uh, in books and i still sometimes think well that was a silly decision but but it would be much more sensible and you know there'd be there'd be so many wonderful things about uh, if i'd um read that phrase differently perhaps at that at that moment i thought actually i'll uh I'll go down the proper academic philosophy route or something, but 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 again, it was one of those moments, one of those little moments of choice, which which again, as I say, I'm sure I'm really romanticising the 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 moment, and actually, it was one moment in a whole sort of series of weeks and months of kind of turning these different thoughts over in in one's mind. But that that's that's how I remember it. Anyway, I love it. I love it. it's so evocative to think of you in the the mobile classroom looking at a a pretty battered copy and and just looking at those words so i think if you ever want to use this portion of the recording as part of a a pitch for this film that seems to be emerging in my <laughs> head anyway <laughs> just give me the word it would need some serious embellishments and editing i think to make it to make an exciting exciting <laughs> film out of uh, out of my life um but but yeah no absolutely maybe the whole thing could just be uh, just be me 
in that mobile classroom staring at a at a an old copy of Beyond Good and Evil. Maybe that's maybe that's the film. Mm. I'm going to change tack slightly because yeah. as you're speaking and and unwrapping this for us, it's absolutely fascinating. And I'm thinking from an organisational psychology perspective mm-hmm. about actors are in a place of work. Yeah, we sometimes don't consider that that mm. actors are in their workplace. But then through recent conversations I've had and reflections I've had, there is a level of performance in many jobs. I was speaking mm-hmm. to a chap who's using ACT in hospitality, mm-hmm. and his area of specialism was high-end hospitality. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how when people go on shift and they emerge from that magical room from behind reception, mm-hmm. they're on stage they're presenting the public face of that hotel or that group mm-hmm. of hotels. And then I start to think about other roles in the workplace where people have a certain degree of emotional labor involved. I'm mm-hmm. the, I, the one that always springs to my mind is flight attendants. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Welcoming people on board and people with ridiculous requests or complaints or thinking that they own the airline. Mm-hmm who irritate me immensely as someone observing this. And I think, how do they just keep that facade? But I think that's something we'll come on to in the second part. Okay. I'm taking us off on another tangent there, Ben. Sorry, I'm going to continue a little bit. Mm-hmm. But is that also the role of leadership, helping leaders to appreciate that they can flex and adapt their authentic style to suit the circumstances in which they find themselves? I think there's a definite conversation to be had there. Mm-hmm. However, I want to just bring us back to one of the standard pieces in People's Soup okay. and ask you for a song choice. So ah. imagine, imagine Ben, that for the next few weeks, possibly two or three months, you have a song that announces your arrival in a room, whether it's in your home or whether you're going to the supermarket, the mm-hmm. song would play. I wonder if you have a song in mind and what that might be. Well, I think, hmm, hmm, okay. I think actually, I'll take us right back to the beginning of the conversation at this point, uh, because the thing that comes to mind, which is um, interesting that that's what's there, what's there is um, let's go back to Frozen and do let it do let it let's do let it go uh, as a as a thing, which is. Uh, probably not what i would have expected myself to say in terms of a, in terms of a musical choice choice for for me but i think just from the conversation and where it's got gone i think there's um i think for partly because i think there's a lot to uh, there's a lot that's interesting to say about that about that song uh, and what's going on for, for elsa in that situation but also it because i think sitting there watching that film fed into so much of what we've been what we've been talking about and where my ideas have been and also, I, and I think um, another important point about that may maybe again of these these conflicts that we experience between you know work and family va- values and how th- those are, are are balanced and things. And there's something about um, that kind of dual pur- dual purpose or that dual, that moment of connection through through taking some time to watch Frozen um, and how that was ser- that was serving lots of values at the same time and led to some um, important towards moves in different areas of life so 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 that's what i'll say i'll say let it go from frozen and after the the third or fourth time i've entered a room and that's what played 
I will regret my decision intensely. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we'll go with it. We'll go with it for now. Beautiful. Thanks, Ben. That's it, Peace Supers, part one of my chat with Ben in the bag. What a guy. And wait until you hear how he uses act in a theatrical context. Now, we need your help. You can support us and help us reach more people with this behavioural science. So, if you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, we'd love you to do three things. Number one, share it with one other person. Number two, subscribe and give us a five-star review, whatever platform you're on. And number three, Share the heck out of it on the socials. This would all help us reach more people and make some noise with stuff that could be useful. We love to hear from you and you can get in touch at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. On X, formerly known as Twitter, we are at peoplesouppod. On the gram, known as Insta, we are at people.soup. And on Facebook, we are at peoplesouppod. You can also drop us a review or get in touch using a voice note on WhatsApp. Thanks to Andy Glenn for his spoon magic and Alex Engelberg for his vocals. Most of all, dear listener, thanks to you. Look after yourselves, peace supers, and bye for now. And the Laban Mal... Uh, and the Laban Malgrim... Malmgr... Laban Malmgrim. Thank you. Yeah. And the Laban Mal- Malmgren. Ha, 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 ha.